0: One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do Two can be as bad as one It's the loneliest number
1: since the number one This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris sinzac and Aaron Camaro
2: gentlemen welcome once again to the decibel geek podcast we are here to rock and roll for you today we're gonna have so much fun my name is aaron camaro joined as always by my good friend chris sinzak how's it going man doing good how are you i'm just kind of blown away by Mm -hmm. the last couple of weeks you know all the things that we got to do all the cool people we got to talk to Mm -hmm. and i'm so glad that we got to share it with everybody between alexi lalas and Rachel Bolin and Michael Wagner, and last week we went and seen Hair of the Dog yep. and got to get up on stage and introduce them. And then what do we do? We get home, and a couple days later, we're getting the messages on Facebook uh-huh. saying that our crew, our writers are out there at Rockin' Skull, yep. and they're getting on stage to introduce Stephen Piercy. Yep. Wow.
3: It's been a crazy week. And
2: we went over 4,000 likes on Facebook. We did. Finally. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe it. But then, like you said, these last couple of weeks, and it was like boom, you know? Yeah. We are now the number one podcast in
3: soccer. Yeah, we are. <laughs> At least the number one hard rock and heavy metal one in soccer.
2: That's right. Hey, welcome to Decibel Geek, your hard rock, heavy metal, and soccer podcast.
3: And Yeah, the, the, the soccer's limited to one episode, but, you know.
2: No, well, we'll get Alexi back. Yeah, on he'll again. be back. He's already Most agreed definitely. to come back. Well, this week we've got something really special for you. We've been planning this out for a while, and it came to us on a suggestion. You know, it we do did. we do take suggestions from the listeners when they're good ideas, we'll totally steal them.
3: Yeah, and one of our uh, favorite newer listeners, who's he's combing the back catalog, and yeah. uh, he'll send me suggestions a lot of times for you guys should do this or you guys should do that, and I'm like. That was episode 123. That was episode 145. So usually he's like, yeah, he's getting, like, there, yeah, he's, getting, there. He's, he's getting through there. the back. Of, but he did suggest one recently that I was like, that's a good idea. We should do that. And the, as you saw in the artwork, the title is One and Done. And it's not about one hit wonders. No. Don't get, don't get scared off. It's basically about bands that put out one Full-length studio album and nothing else. They're one-album wonderfuls. Pretty much. Yeah. And uh, nothing else happened after that, but they're they're still... And I think we found some really awesome material. Oh, man. And I guarantee you're going to unless you're billy hardaway you're gonna get turned on to something you haven't heard before today
2: i'm betting even billy even hardaway hasn't heard is gonna love this stuff because we have got a stellar stacked playlist today man i'm so proud of it and every one of these bands are gonna blow your minds so stay tuned for that but before we get into business, it today
3: business business
2: it's time for the business and there ain't no better business than itunes reviews and i love them when they're five stars and
3: guess what
2: we got another one and it goes a little something like this your latest show featuring the music of rat with soccer player and analyst alexi lolis is one of the best podcasts i've ever listened to thank you
3: that's it that'll work that's it's, awesome it's from parkour red 56 very
2: cool thanks for that we love it when you guys leave us five star itunes reviews because it makes us look cool When they're looking at podcasts and they want to push them and promote them, they look at the ones that got the most five stars, the best reviews – Hey, that's us. We've got the best reviews. I love every one of them.
3: Yeah, and we need more. I know there's, there's a lot more of you that listen to the show every week than are leaving reviews, so let's uh, get on that. Heck yeah. Um, and I do want to give a special shout-out, because, and we don't typically read messages off the fan page, but I saw this. I'm this in a generous cool. mood, and I thought this would be cool, because it came from across the pond in the UK. Yeah? Uh, it just says, hello, me and my family are huge fans of your podcast. We love it and never miss one. We just wondered if we could get a mention on your podcast from Lee Beat and the Beat family listening from Birmingham, UK.
2: How cool is that? All the way across the ocean in the United Kingdom, the Beat family, they're rocking and rolling right along with the Decibel Geek Podcast every
3: week. And Lee, to answer your question, no, you can't get a mention on the podcast. No All way. Right, we on. don't do that. Um, so, uh, oh God, here's the part I've been dreading. <laughs> This is
2: the part I've been waiting for for two weeks. This is going to be awesome. Here's the deal. If you're new to the show, we do our thing. It's called Geeks of the Week. They are honorary people that we love and cherish very, very much. Every single week, it seems like most of these guys, because we read their names over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. they're with us for a long time. We got a bunch of new ones the last couple of weeks. We didn't read Geeks of the Week last week. No. The people that shared and retweeted the last two weeks' episodes. Yeah,
3: two of the biggest we've ever
2: had. We kind of laughed about it last week because, like you said, two of the biggest episodes we've ever done, Mm -hmm. and now you've got to read all the geeks of the week in this list is like a mile
3: and a half long. i'm gonna go as fast as I can guys.
2: This is going to be awesome
3: all right the geeks of the week if you want to be geek of the week, just share on Facebook retweet on Twitter the link to this one and done episode and I'll mention your name next week we'll see if we can let'll see if we can do do it this many the next week. I don't know if we yeah. can, but we'll try. we ready? Get a big breath, man <sighs> geeks of the week this week are. Mike Stewart, Todd Cunningham, Derek Novak, Brent Cattell, Dave Shirt, Anthony Britt, Mark Alden-Taylor, Chris Caron, Brian Odermatt, Ryan Sessions, Bryant, Brian Knapp, Cal Hens, Ian Wadley from Micro Metal Combat Podcast, Joe Royland, Sit and Spin with Joe, the Riff of the Day, Gino Ames, Rich Canamar, Billy Hardaway, Brent Tibbets. <sighs> <laughs> I used to smoke, Cobras and Fire Podcast, Kevin Williams, Mike Tyler, Christina Legger, Dan Chapoo. I got that pronunciation correct really Yeah. you've been saying it the other way the whole time I have you're not Dan Chaput anymore <laughs> um, Matt Ashcraft Joe Lascon Infestation that's a rat tribute band nice. Rob, Rob Webb Darren LaNue Neal Johnson, Joe Mamas, Total BS, Aaron Baker, Joe Polo from Podcast Rock City, Thomas Mukaji, Brad Schick, Joey Vancheri, Greg McGlone, Andrew Jacobs, Alex Comadicus, Howard Tate, Rockin' Ron Runyon, Kenneth Roy, Wayne Cross, Adam Cox, Mikael Spicoli, Paul Corn, Trevor McDougal, Rob Harris, Sean Cullen, Tom Smoke, James McElhenny, Viper, Cameron Guidi, Chad Leisner, Daryl Albert, Ernesto Aguiar, Darren Hellowell, Eric Moore, Lost Generation, Edmund Crabtree, Robin Bennett, Richard Stritch, Chandler Allen, Emily. Dude, your microphone is smoking. Carl Joshua Agbing, Agbing Skid Row, UWR, Japan, Metal Faves, Billy Hardcore, The Offer Meds Podcast, Daniel Spencer, Alex Thorne, John Villos, Mike Oliver, Shane Aber, Chad Kirby, Jason Guy, Terry Evans, Aaron James, Scott Hicks, Justin Melrock, Derek Laba, Buck Williams, Dave Koska, Andy Eller, Justin A6, Christopher Lowe, Scotty Lowe, Ashley on Eric Wells, Keith Doyle, Kick-Ass Metal, Elizabeth Lisa Petrinko. You all right, man? You all right? <sighs> yeah. I need an extra lung. <laughs> PJ Brown, Koji Kwaki, Chad Pollock, Brad Cannot, Charlie Bunnett the Third, Joshua Toomey from The Talk to Me podcast, Ethan Urban, Russell Minthorn, Jeffrey Drisco, Misty Fabus, Crash Craft and Joe Himzisek, Bati Bryan, Kathy Patty Orlandini, it's Michael Bartley, rails. Sean Thornton, David Stonish, Brent Walter, Thomas Patterson, Rob Harris, Bearded, Clam Show, Cool World, Wildly Norton, Brad Kalman, Mike Curtis, Tanya Stone, Jones, Hairband, Heaven, Casey Culberth, Michael Wagner, Martin Winnem, yeah. Colin Francis, Terry Green, Jason, Seth, Rich Dillon, jo- Jeremy Bednarski, and the Mooger Fugger. Nice. Look at that microphone glowing red, man. Jesus It's going to burn your
2: hand. <sighs> okay. You all right?
3: Yeah, I just got to...
2: Wow. Catch my breath. That was freaking awesome. The Micro Machines man has got nothing on you.
3: <laughs> the Micro Machines? Oh, yeah, the Speed Raider Machida. Uh-huh. Yeah, I should do FedEx commercials.
2: That's very cool, man. Thank you to everybody that shared these last few episodes. You know, it's just a fact of life. The more you see it, the more you're going to familiarize yourself with it. You know, there's a lot of rock and rollers out there that could probably benefit from listening to the decibel geek podcast if for no other reason is this show i mean it's about rock music it's for the working wait, man wait, you know wait, wait wait
3: wait one more joe becht that was on twitter thank you nice <laughs> just came in <laughs> oh man people at work need
2: to listen to podcasts you know and if you're into rock and roll you should be listening to this yeah, The more you put it out there, the more people see it. You're helping people. You're helping us. It's a beautiful thing.
3: Absolutely. So, Am I going first? Are you
2: ending the show today?
3: Uh, yeah, I'll end okay. the show today. Well, so then I'll go, go first.
2: first. All right, man. If you think back to 1999, there was a really cool football movie that came out called Varsity Blues. Remember that one? I do. I love that movie when it came out. And along with being a cool movie, it also had a pretty stellar soundtrack featuring some of the biggest stars of the day, like you know Green Day, Collective Soul, the Foo Fighters. They had My Hero on that. Mm -hmm. personal favorite of mine off there was a monster magnet pretty rad cover of uh, mc5's kick out the jams that's true ever heard that that's very cool um however for all the bands on that soundtrack that were able to maintain their popularity bands like that you've also got a bunch of bands like fastball sprung monkey caroline spine remember they opened for kiss i I think psycho circus tour
3: uh i saw yeah Uh, yeah it was a psycho Circus. yeah i think so too and i saw um fastball play here in nashville years ago yeah they're yeah. not bad they're man a good, good live band. band Yeah, one hit wonder though you know among those
2: kind of forgotten bands was the band loudmouth mm-hmm. you know we've talked about loudmouth before on the decibel geek podcast they rose to some prominence with their song fly that was on that soundtrack and it received some decent airplay on rock radio but That shine faded pretty quick for the band and pretty unfairly considering how awesome their debut album was. You know, you sure can't blame it on the band or the songs or the production because it was produced by uh, Joe Barisi, known for his work with Queens of the Stone Age and Mike Patton from Faith No More, and that awesome, awesome album by Clutch, Beale Street to Oblivion. Mm -hmm. I freaking love that one. Perhaps, maybe, I think, reading into it the way I have, I think the blame really falls on Hollywood Records which is a subsidiary subsidiary of Disney Music Group, who, as we all know, don't know shit about rock and roll music.
3: I will say this. the, The album was definitely promoted, though. It was. I mean, because it was that album, album I was, cover was in magazines. So I remember yeah, it clearly, and I was I was working on radio around that
2: time, ninety nine. Yeah, so I definitely remember getting the song and playing it and digging it. You know, yeah. I thought Fly was really good, especially compared to a lot of the other stuff I was having to play in ninety nine, which rock radio wasn't all that great back then. You know, which I don't know if that's saying anything different from today. My whole wow, how far we've come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, Loudmouth they only released that one album. But I think they made it count because, to me, it's a complete album. I don't think there's a clunker throughout the whole thing. I implore you to check it out for yourself. It's available on Amazon.com, of course, through the Decibel Geek link. Here's a taste for you. This song I like. I kind of relate to this one because it's got that lyric in it. Long hair, bandana, stoner, than Carlos Santana. It speaks to me. I don't know why. <laughs> check it out right here on the Decibel Geek podcast from 1999. Their self-titled one and only album. Loud malt, and this one's called Not Free. that's better than a bikini made out of whipped cream.
3: <laughs> that's, uh, I love I that remember, movie. Yeah, the best scene in the movie. Heck yeah, that was great. Oh, John Voight's such a dick in that movie. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, that... Uh, such, that dude's a great actor. Uh, that Loudmouth album, and I think that's gonna be... That for a lot of our picks, um, it's gonna be a running theme where they're great albums... With great production, <clears throat> but they came out at a time where I don't think people knew where to put them. Right? Yeah, most and definitely. Loudmouth was definitely one of those.
2: Yeah, I got a few picks like that. I think we're also going to see some kind of tragic stories today. We too. will most definitely. But, that that yeah. goes hand in hand with bands that were only mm-hmm. able to only able to release one album.
3: I know a lot of mine are their their bands that like the, the the if these albums had come out two three years yep. earlier, they would have been humongous.
2: Yep, I got a few like that too.
3: Now my first pick is a bizarre pick but um the band's got a bizarre story and we've played them on the show before aaron's picked them before on the show but um this that ad- love it this is one of the best like one album bands you'll ever hear i saw it on your list and i was like oh shit yeah that should have been I beat number you to one it. on mine you totally
2: <laughs> beat me to it
3: so life sex and death put out the Silent Majority album in nineteen ninety two. I
2: remember seeing them on Headbangers Ball when they first came out. I thought it was awesome, man.
3: It's an interesting story with the band because they had, I guess, the hook of the band was they had this singer whose name was Stanley. Uh huh. And and B J. Kahuna did a really good article on the website back a long time ago, um, basically called Who Is Stanley, and it was a whole. In depth kind of investigation into the guy. That's
2: very cool because he was because at well, the time we all thought he was just some homeless. Yeah, everybody guy, thought right? he was a
3: homeless bum, and and there is some truth to that. But the origin of the band was Chicago, and if you look at, there's a video on BJ's article of Life, Sex, and Death before they made the move out west, uh-huh. and the singer's name was Chris Stan. Okay, and it's the same guy yeah. that became Stanley. Okay, and but in the video that you see, and the video was called well, it was something really cheesy. Something like American rock or something like it's just really cheesy, and it's just complete run of the mill glam band. It looks like a it, it looks like an Enoughs Enough video, like a band trying to be Enoughs Enough. Okay, and like the singer looked looked a lot like Donny V from that first Enoughs Enough album. Hmm. All glammed out, and that's the same guy that became Stanley. So when they moved out west, he changed his look. And it wasn't just a look though, because from everything I read, he lived it. He right? truly like dove into like an actor dives into a part. He like actually dove into the character, and like he I, wouldn't I like shower, it. and you know he like he was that's funky all man. the
2: time. I love it. the The wrestling fan in me loves it because that's right. living the gimmick. You it know? is.
3: <laughs> but it was it gave them a definite unique hook, but also at the same time, like I said at the beginning. This is one of those albums where I don't think people could categorize it because musically it was very much arena rock. I mean, yeah. musically it's fucking full-on bombastic, like 1988, 89 arena rock on a right. lot of the songs. But
2: lyrically it's it's kind of meant to be offensive it, in a oh, bar sort well, of way. that's why you have you a song know? called
3: Fucking Shit Ass on that album. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I love mean, that song. So, I mean, and fucking then, shit then and Stanley I is mean. like, you know, his... The, the, you could tell the guy had a good voice But like he would really play up the character yeah. in the, On the vocals So it was kind of one of those albums that, that to people like us and people like you listening It's great Yes, But to the general mainstream public That doesn't really delve into music They're like what the fuck is no, this
2: You couldn't play this for an average no. person And expect them to like it I don't think It's a bizarre
3: <laughs> album but, uh, LSD as they're known for short uh, You know, They want to take you to school And uh, What do you learn in school? Schools for Fools.
2: Dude, A B C D E F G, so cool. Yeah, it's funny, you know how something like that, you know, you gotta have a hook, you gotta have an angle, you know, to get that attention. And the whole homeless thing, I mean, it it really did it, you know. And it's too bad, like you say, that they didn't weren't able to fit anywhere. You couldn't play them on radio, you know, Mm -hmm. and. Like big bands were probably reluctant to take them on the road.
3: And it well, was a weird situation. But
2: the thing is, is that album's so good, and they, this band really does have like a cult following. Oh, like, yeah. Like if you run into somebody that knows of Life, Sex, and Death and likes them. Mm hmm. You can pretty much guarantee they they're, love they're a pretty cool person too. Uh, yeah, well, that's the kind of person you want to hang out with.
3: I think you know? I remember the last time you played a, sh- a song of theirs off this album on uh, one of our pat I don't remember what episode it was, but we we spun one of their maybe just a radio sucks show. And I remember we got a number of messages from people, you know, raving about how much they love yeah. the album. And um, also in BJ's article, he mentioned that I think he found out that the Chris Stan who became Stanley was like like a trust fund kid, like. From a privileged, like, rich family. So I want, I got to wonder what he's up to now. I mean, like, he's kind of a mystery. I know he, he popped up um, on a video, like, in one of the trailers at one of the Farm Rock shows, not here, but at one of the other ones. Hmm. And he just was hanging out you know, wow. and uh, he still looked pretty grungy. but <laughs> He's actually uh, homeless now. Yeah, he maybe actually is. <laughs> all, that, all that LSD money went ran out. But, uh yeah, interesting. Uh, that album is, uh, you, that would be, Let's see if Stanley will come on and do an album's unleashed for uh, Life, Sex, and Death. I would love that. That'd be an interesting find, wouldn't yeah, it?
2: Yeah, it would. I would, you know what, looking at this whole list, like the ones you picked, the ones I picked, mm-hmm. I would like to do an Albums Unleashed on every yeah, single they're all, one of they're these. they're all pretty interesting stories. They yeah. all, Yeah, very interesting stories. Yeah. Here's one for you. Chris, imagine, if you will, Lemmy with okay. tits.
3: That's, that's not a pleasant thought, Aaron.
2: Well, I can't think of a more offensive or more fitting way to describe the late Bianca Halstead of Betty Blowtorch, because that's what she totally was. She was a woman that was possessed by the ghost of lemmy <laughs> before he even died that's the power of lemmy Killmeister. <laughs> let me tell you i'll take that one step further by saying that there were four women in this band that had much bigger balls than a lot of their contemporaries releasing albums in the early 2000s yeah, especially for at that sure time, yeah for sure i love this band so much when their debut album came out This was one that would get me in trouble during my actual days of being a real radio DJ because, man, I put the single into heavy rotation. I thought so highly of this band, especially at that time. Like I said, early 2000s, you know, 2001 around in there. Not a lot of great stuff getting played on rock radio other than the classics, you know? So when something like this comes out and just grabs me, and I'm just like, I love it, I'm going to play the hell out of it. This was one that will always be special to me, you know, and of course the story of Betty Blowtorch is a tragic one, is retold in the Anthony Scarpa documentary, Betty Blowtorch and her amazing true life adventures.
3: That's a great documentary.
2: Available on Amazon.com through the Decibel Geek link, of course. Or through time. It's just straightforward, hard rock, kind of heavy punk. If you like Motorhead, there's no way that you will, you can't like Betty Blowtorch. There's no possible way because it's it's just like bizarro world Motorhead. I love it so much. This band and this album is so cool. Um, you know, you got in the band the Mapex Demolishing Power of Judy Cacuzza and the scorching guitar tone of Blair and Bitch. That's part of my, what really makes this band great is that guitar tone. And the strong rhythm guitar of Sharon Needles as well as the perfect vocal union between Sharon and Bianca. It made 2001's Are You Man Enough easily one of the best albums to come out that year, in my opinion. This one takes me back to a time when it was a lot of fun to be a young, rebellious radio personality. Oh, yeah, that's what I was. And this is Betty Blowtorch with Hell on Wheels. torch fans as they have reunited and now feature the amazing vocalist mia x and they're doing some limited dates over on the west coast so if you live out there and you get a chance to see them check it out they've got a brand new facebook page you know where you can check it out and get involved in that and you know comment let them know you heard it on decibel geek and uh you know it's pretty cool i'm told she's doing a great job in the role Hmm. which there are some big combat boots to fill they really are you know, and in the in between, uh, Blair plays with the tribute act Black Savage. Yep. That's awesome. And Judy and Sharon are in Hell's, Hell's Bells. Bells. Yep. One of the, That's one of the greatest, most unique ACDC tribute acts there is. It's very cool. Yeah. And of course, Kiss fans might also recognize Judy from the all female tribute band Pris. Mm-hmm. Very cool. She also wanted me to let the fans know a brand new Betty Blowtorch Bianca Remembrance T-shirt is available now over at Etsy.com slash Rock and Roll Gypsy Tent. That's cool. Yeah, it's a cool t shirt. It's Betty Blowtorch, and it's got Bianca's name on it. It's it's like one of her tattoos. It's very cool. I like it a lot.
3: That's cool. I think
2: I'm going to order one.
3: I always thought that Are You Man Enough album cover was one of the coolest albums. It really is with the metal chick yeah. with the motor on her head. Yep. Yeah, well, now it all comes head. together,
2: huh? There you go. There you go. Solving Mysteries on the Decibel Geek podcast. How do you like that? <laughs> it all comes together.
3: That's a good pick. Uh, okay, so for my next one, uh, this is a band called Heavy Bones. They yeah. were uh, formed in Hollywood in 1990. The band consisted of Joel Ellis on vocals, Gary Hoey on guitar, Rex Tennyson on bass, and Frankie Benalli on the drums. That's like a super group. It really kind of is. Even though Tennyson is listed as the bassist, Scott Thunes played all the bass tracks on this record. Uh, he Tennyson appeared on their one and only music video was for a song called 4AMTM. Uh, this band, you know, this is one of those... Two or three years earlier would have been huge because this album yeah. is awesome. Uh, their one and only album, which is a self titled album, was released on Reprise Records in 92, produced by Richie Zito. So you've had a big name producer on it, but it just didn't sell well. It just wasn't the right time for it. What year did it come off? 92. Wow. And, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, and that, I'm sure they probably played to pretty big crowds around Hollywood, but uh, from 1992, this is Heavy Bones with a song called Dead End Street.
2: I didn't even know about this band until you i saw it on your list and checked it out and i was yeah. like wow
3: well i and i i had a like a list of about 15 songs that i'd come up with before i went and asked for help and then one of i can't remember what the name of the listener was added it yeah he, he listed it also yeah and i had it on there because i just remember the one album because uh, my best friend that played guitar in a band with me at the time loved the album and used to play it a lot and I remember I remember it was the only thing they did, because I remember Frankie Banali. I remember he went on to bring Quiet Riot back right after it. Yeah. Because I knew it was the only thing they did, but I uh, hadn't listened to it in a long time. And then when it was suggested, I, was, I went back and looked, looked it up on YouTube, and then I wound up bought, buying it through our Amazon link after that. Nice. Because I haven't, I haven't owned it in forever, so... Weird. Terrible album cover. I was just going to say
2: weird-ass album cover. Yeah, it's an ugly album cover, but uh, the Maybe song's that's good. why it didn't sell. People were afraid of it. Maybe. <laughs> it looked like some kind of underground death metal album.
3: I always thought it looked like a seven-year-old druid. Yeah. It's just cheap-looking.
2: You got to take a look at that. It's weird.
3: Like fucking Gary Hoey and Frankie Banali in the same band. Shit, yeah, man. pretty That's awesome.
2: awesome. All right, well, if you're a fan of 80s Sunset Strip hard rock, then the band Cats in Boots should definitely be on your radar. You know about Cats in Boots, don't you?
3: Well, yeah, there's a connection to the song I just played, too. Oh, yeah? Same singer. Oh, yeah. Wow, I didn't put that together. Wow, this is a weird episode, Isn't man. that a weird coincidence? That is weird. When I saw your picks, I'm like, wait a minute, that's the same singer.
2: Nice. That's cool. Now, this band, man, they absolutely had that sound from that 80s Sunset Strip era, but none of the band members were from anywhere near L.A. You had the uh, drummer, Randy Mears. He was from Texas. Lead vocalist, Joel Ellis. He's from Ohio. And then you got the bassist and the lead guitarist, Butch Hate and Jam Ohashi. Japanese. They're also from Ohio.
3: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Tokyo, Ohio.
2: <laughs> yeah, Tokyo. You know, this odd pairing of musicians, they gelled to become one of the most underrated bands of that era, I think. The weird story with them is they went to Japan to record their demos, and then their demos go to number one. No shit. In that country, yeah. It spurs, well, in on the uh, independent labels, but because it was demos, you know, and it goes, it's so hugely popular that they get interest in the U.S. from EMI Records, who signs them and sends them into to the studio with Australian producer Mark Opitz, and he's known for his work with Cold Chisel and helping out with ACDC's Powerage. Mm. The result was the one and only Cats and Boots album, Kicked and Clawed. Although they did receive some airplay on MTV for the song Shotgun Sally. Not much, but they did play it a little bit. The album was engineered by the legendary Garth, yeah, and a young and a young Toby Wright. Oh yeah, oh yeah, our buddy. They failed to make their mark in the U.S. and you know kind of fizzled out pretty quick. They managed to do pretty good in Japan, and they really put out a pretty stellar album. Here's a great example: it's "Cats and Boots" from "Kicked and Clawed" 1989, with "Long, Long Way from Home." to get back into the one and done rock and roll memories that we're bringing you here today on the decibel geek podcast i gotta take the time to remind you that there's a whole lot of cool stuff over at hk collectibles inc this week every week all the time go there whenever you want to because you're always going to find stuff very cool stuff zeppelin fans here's something for you a jimmy page and robert plant no quarter unleaded on dvd he's got it good prices too Pink Floyd fans, oh, check this out. Roger Waters' 2006 Dark Side of the Moon tour book. Where are you going to find this stuff? One place and one place only. HK Collectibles, Inc. All that and a whole lot more. Head on over to decibelgeek.com. Click on the HK Collectibles, Inc. banner and do your shopping.
3: So the other important thing we get is the list. We get the list of the Amazon purchases that you buy every week. We don't get the your name or anything like that.
2: Right, because when you're going to decibelgeek.com to check out the HK Collectibles Inc. banner, right by it is our banner for That's Amazon, because right. Amazon's been with us for a long, long time. They haven't. We haven't done anything to make them tell us to stop using their name, so Fine. we must be doing all right so far. Yeah. So far, so good. So what they do is when people are doing their Amazon shopping, which let's face it, nowadays, everybody shops on Amazon. If you want to find some cool, unique stuff, you pretty much have to. So when you're going to Amazon, take the time to go to decibelgeek.com first, click on our Amazon banner. And when Mm -hmm. it takes you straight to Amazon, just like it does any other way, any other time, you do all your shopping, just like you want to do. You pay the prices that you want to pay. And when you're done, Amazon takes a piece of their action and they kick it on over to the Decibel Geek podcast and they give it to us. It's not a whole lot, but it all adds up. we got a lot of people buying stuff all the time. It's very cool. Our favorite thing is the list. Oh yeah, the list of things you bought. Like Chris said, don't tell us who bought what, Mm. but it tells us what was bought through our
3: link. We like that. Some pretty cool stuff was bought in the last seven days. Some of the more notable ones include a Logitech HD Pro webcam with widescreen video calling and recording. Uh, Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders on DVD. Nice. That's like a remake of the old Batman TV show from the 60s. Yeah, somebody I know on Facebook was talking about it. It may have been them that bought it. Uh, Extreme Porno Graffiti Live 25 Metal Meltdown on Blu-ray and DVD was purchased. Billy Hardaway told me it's awesome. I bet it is. Uh, Kiss Hotter Than Hell Remastered was bought. Gotta have it. Kingdom Come, the self-titled debut, was bought. That's a great album, too. That's a good one and done right there, right? Yeah, they could have made the list, too. Rat Out of the Cellar was purchased. I think we had something to do with that. That's good. Us and Alexi putting the good word of right out in the streets. Uh, Black Sabbath Sabotage, the remastered edition, was Heck bought. yeah, you got to have that one, too. And uh looks like uh, Testament, Brotherhood of the Snake, their new record, was bought.
2: Right on. I've been reading some good stuff on decibelgeek.com about that album.
3: And a couple of bigger purchases. A couple. Somebody bought a couple of guitar pedals, us. Uh, Boss Stereo Super Chorus, and a Boss Digital Delay pedal were purchased. Heck yeah. They're making their own rock and roll. I love it. That's right. So thank you, guys. Please use that link. Christmas is coming up. Do all your shopping through our link, and uh, you'll help support the show.
2: Yeah, it doesn't have to just be rock and roll albums or CDs or anything like that. It can be all your Christmas shopping. Because let's face it, if you want to get people cool gifts, you got to do your shopping on Amazon. Check out what he's got over there, Daryl Albert at HK Collectibles, Inc., while you're at our website. You know, check out a lot of the articles that are going on, man. Right now, there's a lot of really good albums coming out, and you want to get the heads up on what's coming, what's heading your way? You got to be at DecibelGeek.com. There's no better place on the internet to stay on top of new, stellar worthwhile albums that are coming out a lot of bands you might not have heard of i read an article today about a band called killer b i'm going to buy the album based on the review cool heck yeah man and i found it on decibelgeek.com i never even heard of them before but the review was so good it's like man i gotta check that out
3: i see that all the time absolutely there's a lot of good stuff on that website right now a lot of cool reviews
2: when i read them reviews i know whether i need to go get the album or if i just say whatever i don't need to hear that that sounds like garbage because they're decibel geek writers they're up on stage introducing Stephen piercey they're people we can trust that's right absolutely so get in on that get yourself a decibel geek t-shirt if you love the decibel geek podcast and you want a little bit more we just you know we're only like hour hour and a half sometimes pushing two hours maybe that's not enough for you through the week you need more chris and aaron you can get chris and aaron the chris and aaron show by becoming a decibel geek vip do that through patreon.com that's a great way to help out the show we appreciate it you get a part in the uh, facebook group that's exclusive yep chris and i go in there we leave comments we read comments when we have something we're questioning or if we need ideas that's where we ask first You know, those are our people. Those are the inside people, and you can become one of them with us by becoming a VIP. Like I said, check it out on Patreon. Is that it? You ready to rock and roll? Yeah, let's get back to it. All right. So whose turn is it? It's mine. All right. Oh, you got a
3: cool one coming up. I was checking this out earlier. Okay. So, yeah, this one uh, I was excited to do because this one came to mind pretty early on. And this is a band that I think a lot of you have not heard of.
2: I've never heard of it.
3: Oh, really? No,
2: not before today.
3: <clears throat> the only reason I heard of it was because of uh, there's a Casablanca Records and Kiss connection to this band. It's a band called Trigger from New Jersey. And uh, they started in late 1973, at the same time another band started. Um, They were a five-piece initially with a keyboard player named Tom Sebastian Ayers, but after going to the trouble of getting vocalist-guitarist Jimmy Duggan, vocalist-guitarist Richie House, and bassist Tom Nigra, and vocalist-drummer Derek Remington from several competing local bands, Ayers abandoned ship when he was offered a position in a new band put together by Mountain members Felix Popolardi and Corky Lang, which you can't really blame the guy for going on to greener pastures there. Right. So the remaining four guys... You know, they understood, and uh, despite having to work up some of their own material, they uh, started establishing themselves as one of the top bar bands in New Jersey. And by 1979, they had enough songs and money together to release... All right, so they put out this, like an independent album. So I'm not counting that, because it wasn't a full-length like label album. right? But um, it didn't really get a lot of attention, but it did get the interest of a pair of studio engineers named Dennis Ferranti and Corky Stasiak. And they were working at New York's Record Plant Studios. And uh, Corky Stasiak had recently finished working with Bob Ezrin on an album called Destroyer. Okay. And um, he and uh, Ferrante helped fine-tune and cut some demos for Trigger and then presented them to several labels, including Casablanca. And an endorsement by Gene Simmons basically hooked them a record deal. Right on. So he got hit. Gene was a big part of them getting the deal. Um, He's the kingfish, the yeah. moneymaker. And then he got like 40% of it. Um, right. The next step was recording the uh, debut album released in early 1978 and favored a tougher, grittier hard rock sound over the more melodic style that was in the early days of, of the band. They were more like a Beatles and Beach Boys type band before, and then they went hard rock. Um Unfortunately, the uh, Sonic modernization couldn't overcome their low standing on Casablanca's totem pole. They were not getting any money thrown at them at the time. And uh, so, like, really there was so little known about them that there was a rumor going around that this was Kiss without their makeup. Oh, wow. And if you look at the album cover, you can like the hairstyles, except Tom Tom Nigra has like these really deep set eyes. He could have passed for Gene. And then the hairstyles of the other three guys look like Peter, Ace, and Paul's hairstyles. It's really kind of strange. But um, so they were dropped midway through recording their follow-up album, so it never came out. And uh, they stumbled along for a few years with other musicians coming and going. And they did a re a reunion farewell gig in uh, 1985, and then Jimmy Duggan passed away in 2001 from a heart attack. And mm. they get together once in a while and do you know little reunion shows around New yeah. Jersey. But uh, it's a case of what could have been with uh, Trigger. Wow! But this is a song, and I de- I defy you to tell me that this song does not sound like the child of Slade and Sweet. Yep. This is Trigger with a song called "Shake It Up." for me i can't figure out why that didn't make it that song probably could have been a hit i mean i you know when i listen to it now it's it sounds like it would have fit well on the radio with all the other stuff
2: yeah i could hear it right out there with kiss and aerosmith mm-hmm. and you know the bands of that time totally yeah but uh
3: i love that and that album's got a lot of good songs on it i have it on vinyl i found it in a, in a record store a long time ago wow It was in horrible shape, but I found it. That's pretty cool, man.
2: See, just like the listeners, sometimes even I get turned on to new music on the Decibel Geek podcast. That's why
3: I love doing this show so much. Yeah, where else are you going to hear Trigger? Yeah, no kidding. (laughs)
2: Another reason why I love doing this show so much is it gives me a chance to kind of like what we're doing today, you know, put the spotlight on some bands that, you know, in all these cases today, obviously didn't get enough you know, mm-hmm. through circumstance or through just, you know, lack of sales or, you know, other issues. But when people come to me, you know, and if I'm talking to somebody, if I'm in a conversation and the conversation is most underrated band of all time, my go-to is always going to be Enough's Enough. Right. But even Enough's Enough, you know, they had some measure of success, especially when you consider, you know, how, how long their career has lasted. But with them, it's like, yeah they had some success, but they should have been huge right But if i'm gonna be totally honest, I gotta say the most underrated band is a band called pariah, mm-hmm. and people that have listened to this show for a while know that I have brought up this band before mm-hmm. because man, when this album came out back in night I come out ninety three it blew my mind, man, it was so good. My friend had bought it, and I listened to it off of him, and I just loved it. you know it was. It just had such a unique sound to it. It was heavy, but it still had some kind of ballady stuff. But it wasn't music that was lyrically, you know, clone of that time. Because in the time that Pariah came out, which is 93, you know the hairband thing is pretty well washed up people are shitting all over that you know mm-hmm. motley crew is not cool no more you know oh, yeah. guns and roses is you know where the hell are guns and roses you know and so pariah i mean and they're they they were not like hairbands you know they weren't following because at that time there were so many bands i did they were just right. clones it became oversaturated and there was a lot of bands that got pulled down the toilet down the drain with those bands but pariah they're, they're even their ballads, you know, weren't corny or cheesy. They were the lyrics were meaningful and powerful. Mm-hmm. The guitars were awesome. The drums were awesome. I mean, I mean, there isn't anything about this album that's not good, you know. And I read something when I was doing a little research on this, not that I don't know a ton about this, you know. As much as a guy can know about it, I guess, you know, which we've talked about the whole story of the band before. You're the president
3: of the Pariah Fan Club at this point. At this point, I feel like, you know,
2: (laughs) yeah, you know, I'm doing my duty for sure. I mean, damn, it's just such a shame that this band got pulled down and never became nothing. But the weird story I was reading was that, you know, they had actually come up, you know, quite a few years before this album came out and they were making a lot of noise coming out of Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And they were getting attention of a lot of record labels because they were able like their their fan club back in the day when it was just mailing shit out through the mail, mm-hmm. you know, not websites, not Facebook, not Twitter, none of that shit. When it was just that, they had a fan club with over 23,000 members, and that's just them Damn. mailing stuff out. And my friend Jason was one of them, and he would get cassette tapes and he would get postcards and all kinds of cool stuff from this band. And when the record labels saw that, you know, they all went for them. And the story kind of is that so many people said this band could be bigger than Guns and Roses. Mm-hmm. And Geffen like outbid everybody else and ended up signing the band. But then Geffen didn't want them to compete with Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah, it's their own product. So they just kind of put their thumb on them. (laughs) That sucks. That meant they couldn't tour, and they couldn't record an album. Sign
3: them to suppress them.
2: Exactly. So then talk 93, what the fuck's Guns N' Roses up to? Not a whole hell of a lot. I mean, they're kind of in between. And it falling apart obviously as yeah. we know through history, you know, and the record labels obviously know the internal strife within the band and they know G and R's pretty much done for at this point. Right. And so then they say, Okay, now we're gonna take Pariah and now we're gonna send him in the studio with Tom Worman mm-hmm. and we're gonna come out with this amazing album, but by nineteen ninety three, too
3: fucking late. That was that ninety three. You might as well call the year of limbo because like a lot of bands just got kind of washed away in that that era.
2: Yeah, and you know tragedy ensues with this band. But what remains, which I implore you go back in the archives and listen to when we break down the story of Pariah because it's it's an amazing, strange story. I would love to interview one of the guys and do albums Unleashed on this one so much. Oh man, I would love it. But you get an amazing album out of it so from 1993 off the album to mock a killing bird this is one of my all-time favorite bands i'm so sad they only released one but this is a tune that's going to give you a taste of what they're all about and it's called this means war I love it, but it makes me sad at the same time. Yeah. You know? I love this album in so many different ways. There's so many different layers and levels to it. And like I said, you know, Amazon's got it. That's about the only place you're going to find that album. So go through the Decibel Geek link and everybody should own this. I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest albums I ever heard in my life. And not enough people have heard it.
3: Yeah, yeah it, 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 There's it's sparse on the internet. It's just, yeah, yeah you have to buy like a used physical car. Co- I don't even think there's a digital version of it out there. I, nope, there's not. you got to buy I, the physical I checked, product. I checked
2: it out on iTunes because I, while I was reading about them again, I was thinking, well, I wonder what people on iTunes say, what kind of reviews they get. Psh, None. Nothing.
3: Yeah, that's crazy. Nothing. It's like they just vanished off the planet. Yeah. Okay. Sims did. Okay, so for my next pick, this was a... The, I actually went to the source. I talked to the bass player from this band. Nice. And uh, it's a Isn't band... Isn't that the beautiful thing about this? Like, yeah. I can just get on Facebook and talk to
2: Jody Cacuzza from Betty Blowtorch, yeah. and you can do this? That's very cool.
3: It's a band called and Gladys. Heck yeah, man. I got the CD over there in the Desible Geek Library. Oh, do you have it? Heck yeah, I do. Okay, awesome. Well, I talked to Al Collins, who was the bass player. He was better known as Allie at the time, when the band was going on, and... Um, I told him I was like, you guys were a one-album band, so I, you know, I want to play something off that album. And uh, I was like, can you know, do you have any copies? Could you have a digital version? Because I wanted a good sound quality version. Yeah. And he sent it to me. So, so what you're going to hear is from straight out of his collection. And uh, I'll just read a little quick mini biography because it's an interesting story and relates to a lot of what you guys like. Uh, they were a transplanted Akron, Ohio band with strong links to Warrant. They uh, featured former Risk players, vocalist, guitarist David Brooks, guitarist J.J. Ferris, bassist Al Alley Collins, and drummer Stephen DeBoard. Their solitary 1992 album was executive produced by Janie Lane of Warren. And Janie had previously worked with Al in the formative act Plain Jane. And he also produced the 1991 demos for Risk. So Janie was getting into production around this time. Yeah. And... um, keyboards came courtesy of former Con man sean zavodny and the album tracks down on your knees and what you need were co-written by janie lane Uh, Brooks subsequently donated vocals to the Hollywood Project album, while guitarist J.J. Ferris would feature as a guest on Acoustic Guitarist on the track Stronger Now on Warren's Ultraphobic album. It's a great album. That's one of Janie Lane's, even if you're not a big ballad person, it's one of his most well-pinned songs, in my opinion. Very true. Could have been a hit for a pop singer, easily. Mm -hmm. Um, Backing vocals on Lay Me Down and Push would be supplied by Randy Robbins of Warbride and Sister Strange. Um, and then Al told me about this, too, but it's on here, too. By 90, 1994, Slam and Gladys had turned into Mad Men Mad and Poets. The group would part company with singer Dave Brooks for a period of time, and he would come back in 96. And then the music took kind of a country rock style, and uh, but it just didn't work out. The Al said that they, they shopped demos around, but just the record companies weren't buying it. Um and Al now plays with his wife Stacy Collins and, and it's more of a country rock type vibe and uh, it's really good stuff they have a new album called Roll the Dice Out and That's cool uh, so it's kind of it's kind of like the extension of Slam and Gladys today you know because Al was a big part of the writing and uh, this that, Slam and Gladys album is a really cool album it's kind of like funk and glam rock mixed
2: yeah it's really funky And When I first got it, it really took me a few times to listen to it, but I've had that CD
3: for a while. And I I love this track off the album. It was hard to pick one, but uh, this one really rocks. It's called Bet Your Life. Podcast on Earth is playing Slammin' Gladys for you. Uh, it's it's a cool album and uh I told Al I was like he Al's a kind of encyclopedia of rock too. He comments on stuff all the time that I post. So like you got to come over and hang out and talk on the you show should, sometime. Man. We could do an albums unleashed. Yeah, we should do that. That's cool, man. I'm down for that.
2: All right. Well, I got one more before we wrap it up today. I know you got one more after that. This is one Where the roots of this band go back to 1993, when singer-slash-songwriter-slash-guitarist Eric Dover joined Mm -hmm. R.J. Manning's power-pop band, Jellyfish. You remember Jellyfish? I do.
3: I like Jellyfish.
2: Pretty much joined just in time for the band to break up in 94. (laughs) It's his fault. I don't know. (laughs) Dover and Manning stuck together and created new music, but Dover had auditioned for a band that Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash was putting together, and guess what? He got the gig, a lead vocalist of the original Slash's Snake Pit, along with Matt Sorum, Mike Inez, and Gilby Clark. It's the best
3: lineup of Slash's Snake Pit, in my opinion.
2: Totally the best. The yeah. best thing Slash ever did outside of Guns N' Roses is that album. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, but, you know, of course, getting that gig pretty much puts the kibosh on the whole project with Manning, and, you know, until Slash gets summoned back to Guns N' Roses by Axel in 96, and when his commitment to Slash is finished... That frees up Dover to reconnect with Manning and basically took the songs they already had done into the studio and they complete their self-titled debut, which is, it's cool, man. It's, it's not Slash's Snake Pit album for sure, you know, even though it's definitely Eric Dover singing on it. It's a, more like a 70s glam rock kind of throwback. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is 1996, so when grunge is king, <coughs> nobody's got time for that. Bad timing, maybe, but nonetheless, it's a great album. Here's a taste from 96. It's Imperial Drag with Spider.
3: Yeah, that's kind of funky rock too. Truly, huh? really an album that definitely was not of its time. I mean, no. I think it sounds like it could have come from the seventies or something. I think mean, it's it's very. It's almost more classic sounding than than what was going on at that time. Yeah, I guess they got
2: some kind of airplay with the single, but yeah, you know, I just don't remember it at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I was a huge fan of that Slash album, so I would have definitely have been interested in it. Yeah. And then when I found out about it like years later, I was like, oh man, I got to find this, and then I end up finding it for a dollar at a used CD store.
3: Absolutely. And I
2: took it home, and I was like, oh
3: man, this is so good. It's a cool album cover too.
2: Yeah, you know. And so Manning, he's known for his keyboard wizardry and. Moog Mastery. He's got no problem finding work. Uh, he's known for his longtime contributions to the band Blink 182. Um, Eric Dover would go on to become an important part of the Alice Cooper band between yep. 2001 and 2004, appearing on the albums Dragon Town and The Eyes of Alice Cooper. He's also released several albums under the name Sextus. All right. Wow. A Los Angeles based band. Kind of funky, theatrical. <laughs> that's his thing cool
3: but I love that album that is a good one so uh, those are your picks and I, I've got one more but uh, is there any that come to mind offhand that you almost picked that you didn't end up going with
2: mm, I just was upset that you beat me the LSD um, yeah. I was looking at 100 watt opera yeah as I was looking at that because that's a really really great album too and I just happened to catch them opening up for somebody and it was like man you guys are freaking great these songs are awesome mm-hmm. do you have a CD Dude's like, yeah, I think I got one. You know, he digs down the bottom of his guitar case, gives it to me, and I take it home, listen to it, and I'm blown a fuck away, man. It's yep. so good. Um, but yeah, it's it was tough, man. It was tough to whittle it down. But yeah, those were the ones I was really thinking of. But they all came to me pretty quick.
3: I had I had ten with song picks that I wanted to play. Yeah. So paring it down to five sucks. So can I read off my other five that I was gonna pick? Sure. One was and one was suggested by Baco, so I got to give him credit on this because I didn't remember this band, but they're called the Damned Things that came out a few years ago, hmm. and uh, I don't know it's about like them. <sighs> members of Fallout Boy and Scott Ian, and, and like, it was like a weird mix of players. Huh. And uh, interesting. <clears throat> I had picked a song called "Bad Love," "Bad Blood" off the Ironic last album good song sea hags i almost picked something oh, off of that oh yeah the sea hags that's a good one right there yeah i would have played under the night stars which is a killer song you could pick anything off that album that's
2: so good too uh neurotic outsiders oh hell yeah that's a great band that's got uh stuff mckagan yep.
3: and dude from duran duran steve jones and oh yeah R- john taylor from duran duran yeah. and steve jones from or andy uh, taylor I sex think. pistols was it andy taylor i think it was andy taylor because oh, okay. he played bass yeah i think maybe i don't oh, know oh yeah john taylor played bass I mean, I don't know what we're talking about. I don't know either. Uh, You're the Duran Duran fan. Yeah,
2: trying to talk about Duran Duran. I would have
3: played Angelina off that record. That's a good song. Silver Ginger 5. That was one of Ginger Wild Heart's more recent. Well, not more recent. It came out in 2000. Uh, An album called Black Leather Mojo. Hmm. There was a song called uh, Girls Are Better Than Boys that was cool. And then uh, my personal, one of the first ones that came to mind, but I didn't play it just because I know there's a lot of listeners that probably wouldn't get it because it came out in 97 and it was a little bit new metal-ish. But it was a band called Snot, yeah. It had an album called Get Some, and I was going to play a really awesome love song called My Balls Your Chin. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: Snot! It's an acquired taste.
3: And there was another song called I. I just li- I lied just to fuck you. That yeah, was also good. But that yeah, was that, was, those that th- was a band that and,
2: ended in tragedy as well. Yeah,
3: Len Strait passed, died, and it was a car accident, right? I think so. Yeah, man. killed him and his dog. The dog was on the album cover. Yeah. Yeah. Scary shit. But yeah, those are, that was my alternate five. I, all, I love all ten of those songs, but yeah, couldn't, had to pare it down to five.
2: Wow, I'm glad I didn't think of the Sea Hags, otherwise I might have had to drop one of my picks off, and I don't know if I was ready to do that.
3: Yeah, and they were right there on my list for the longest time, and then I'm like, well, I've played them before, I want to play something else. So,
2: No, you know what, we can always revisit this sometime down the line. I still want to do an Albums Unleashed on that Sea Hags album. I want to do
3: Albums Unleashed on all of these. All of them. Right?
2: Every single one of them. I'm going to
3: start making some phone calls. And so, for my last pick, sending some Facebook friend requests, right? <laughs> um, another band that basically ended in tragedy, um, Mad Season, which mm. was uh, probably the one of the first bands I thought of when this topic we decided on this topic. Yeah, um, they were basically a supergroup formed in Seattle '94 by members of three popular bands from that area: Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, and the Screaming Trees. They released only one album called Above. Um, you know that reminds me that we could have put in Temple of the Dog and also
2: Mother Love Bone.
3: Well, they were well, I put out the feelers on my Facebook page and I got like something like 180 responses. So yeah. Those two came up pretty pretty regular. I'm not going to say Temple of the Dog though, is more of a tribute though. Mother Love Bone that one, we, we've covered that band a lot, so I mean, I'm okay with leaving that We may off. definitely have to revisit this. Well, yeah, we could always do a volume two of this, but uh, for Mad Season, it's interesting the way they... Drug Rehab is the reason that the band got put together in the first place, because Mike McCready from Pearl Jam was in Drug Rehab in Minneapolis, and while he was in there, he met John Baker Saunders, who's the bass player from Screaming Trees, Yeah, and they returned to Seattle and formed a side band with Barrett Martin, and... Um, we're not just a band we're a support group I got that wrong Barrett Martin was with Screaming Trees and then Saunders was with a lot of blues players like Hubert Sumlin and Sammy Fender so they set up a a trio and started rehearsing together and then McCready brought in Lane Staley because he was friendly with him from Allison Chains and they they just did it to fuck around really. They weren't trying to really put a band together. They just kinda just were screwing around and they didn't even didn't have a name for the band, hadn't even written a song completely yet. Wow. And scheduled an unannounced show at the Crocodile Cafe on October twelfth, nineteen ninety four. Wow. And the song Artificial Red, which was also to appear on the album, actually came together during the show. I love that. They basically song. wrote it on stage. Oh,
2: that's wild, man.
3: Yeah. And uh, it's
2: like we're, we don't even have to try. Nah, Look at us. We're just awesome. We're not even trying, and it's just awesome, isn't it?
3: And they did uh, two more gigs were scheduled on November 6th and 20th of that year at the same venue. And the band at the time was calling itself the Gacy Bunch. <laughs> so, um, and then on January 8th, 95, they made an appearance on Pearl Jam's self pollution satellite radio broadcast, which was like a four and a half hour long pirate radio thing they did out of Seattle. And, um, they performed "Lifeless Dead" and I don't know anything on that. And uh, after they got more popular, they decided to go ahead and record a record, and that's when they changed the name to Mad Season, which was a English term for the time of year when mushrooms are in full bloom. Wow, Mad Season! Mad Season. Yeah. So this has been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm gonna play Mad Season with the song "I'm Above," and uh, we'll see you next week. See you.